M&K Talk YA now presents Superfan Sunday with Mike Cushing. another Super Fan Sunday, an episode where we let some of our listeners share their thoughts on their favorite YA series. And today I am very pleased to welcome Mike Cushing, who is the co-host of two comedy podcasts, Trends in Low Places and The Longest Days of Our Lives. Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, I'm very excited to be here. Well, we're really glad we could have you on our show. Yeah, um, I know I always talk about uh, y'all on Trends in Low Places kind of as our like family show. You know, I think we both started at the same time. So uh, when you reached out, I was super excited to be on. So happy to be here. Yeah, it was funny because your co-host, Michael, is one of my good friends. And we both kind of like had this idea to start podcasts, but we weren't telling anyone. And so I think we like finally told our friends around the same time. And it was like this big shock, like, oh, my God, you're doing this. I'm doing this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he was he was excited when uh, when you told him and there's like, oh, good, we're not alone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We have someone to suffer through all the pain of Mm -hmm. starting a podcast. (laughs) Um, So before we jump in, why don't you tell us a little bit about your shows? Um, Yeah, so uh, Trends in Low Places is the one I do with Michael. Uh, Basically, we just find the dumbest possible things we can on the internet and uh, try to make fun of them in usually, hopefully, a positive way. Um, Sometimes that's a little tough, given the reality of the modern (laughs) world, but... uh, yeah, we've uh, we've been doing it for a little bit, about a year, about the same as y'all, and uh, you know we just uh, mm-hmm. talk about dumb stuff. Yeah, I listen to it, and I'm like always surprised by the insane stories you guys are able to dig up. Yeah, that's the nice thing about the internet. Uh, you know, it's full of great positive content like your show, and then our show where we just find <laughs> the dregs of humanity and the awful things they do. So, uh, you know, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always just like, where are they finding this stuff? Because some of the stuff you just, you you cannot believe. Yeah, Michael always says uh, he's taken a couple of years off of his life looking, you know, <laughs> searching for all these stories and seeing the things that no one was meant to see. But he does it out, out mm-hmm. of love for all of our listeners. So they don't have to do it. Well, we thank you for it. <laughs> <laughs> Digging through the dark holes of the internet can be a scary thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad out there. Um, well, I recently learned that uh, from you guys that you can now order a whole keg of Hidden Valley Ranch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now every day can be a party. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I, would, I was just thinking of, like, the situation in which you would need a whole keg of Hidden Valley Ranch, but then I was like, any occasion. Like, you don't need mm-hmm. a special event for that. Like, just put that in your basement. You'll be good for a year. Mm-hmm. It's a Tuesday lunch. I just have a nice salad. Just to go to town. <laughs> yeah. And the, um... Oh, the other thing was the KFC bath bombs was just oh. like had me in hysterics on your last episode. Yeah, I saw that. And I mean, obviously, instantly, I knew that it was something we had to talk about on the show. But <laughs> I also kind of wanted to get a KFC bath bomb. <laughs> like, I was and, hoping you had between now and then. Uh, unfortunately, they're only available in Japan, which seems a little <laughs> unfair. 
So unfair. Should we take a special trip to Japan just to get them? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think a special trends in low places trip over there is in order. You can get some funding for that, right? <laughs> I, I think so. I'll start a Patreon for it. I'm sure our listeners will scrap together some cash. Just to see you go through the experience of like smelling like KFC chicken for, I'm guessing it lasts about a week or so. I, I, it does seem like the kind of thing you would not be able to wash off, so... Maybe ever. Maybe you're just stuck with it once you take the plunge. <laughs> there, I guess there are worse fates in life than to walk around smelling like delicious KFC chicken. So I'd be okay yeah. with that. <laughs> um, so the other podcast you have is a 24 podcast called The Longest Days of Our Lives. Yep, yep. Uh, that's me, Michael, and our friend Curtis. So we're watching every episode of 24, uh, which Michael and I saw and played drinking games to in college but uh our other host curtis has never seen it so um we go through minute by minute of every show and uh just kind of gauge michael or curtis's reaction and then honestly michael and i have forgotten everything that happens in that show so it's kind of a surprise to us too uh but we, it's an inherently silly show and uh, we love to make fun of it so well i've never seen it so i feel like maybe i should start now <laughs> well we just started season two. Oh, have you? okay so it's not too late for me to jump in no, not at all. And season three and four are the best ones. So really, the best stuff's still ahead. Oh, good. Oh, great. I'm glad I'm not too late to the party. Mm-mm. Well, um, so in addition to co-hosting two podcasts, which I have no idea how you have time for, because um, I can barely handle one, you're also a really avid reader, right? I am. I was talking to Michael, and he said that you read, on average, 100 books a year. Uh, no. So back when I was in college and had time to not go to class, uh, I, I probably averaged around 100 to like 120. Uh, oh lately, gosh. it's more like more in the 30 to 50 range. If I'm having a good year, I might hit 50. So I've slowed down a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was just like, that is incredible. You must have like a three hour long commute every day to work. <laughs> that would that would make it a lot easier. Uh, but yeah, I've actually switched a lot to podcasts lately. Just uh, which has put a dent in my reading, which uh, kind of frustrates me. But there's just a lot of good, a lot of good podcasts mm-hmm. out there. So I read when I can. Do you listen to radio dramas or mainly um, like talk shows? Um, so I actually, uh, and just to nerd out a little bit, I actually have gotten into a couple uh, like Dungeons and Dragons podcasts where they're just playing the oh. game, and it's, I guess it's all really narrative driven. So I I really like that. It's like, it's just five people like collaboratively creating a story, which is really appealing to me. So um, it makes it good. I mean, I do have like about a half hour, 45 minute commute sometimes. So just sitting in traffic and listening to people be nerds and tell a cool story is, uh, is pretty fun. That's actually a really great idea because I bet whenever people are playing that game, half of the time they're like, this is a really good story. I wish we had reported this so we could like remember what we That's did. That's what it seems like. I've, I've never had the chance to play just because uh, unfortunately most of my friends, Michael included, are not nerdy enough for that sort of thing. So uh, <laughs> I just have to think about what it could be. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'll have to check that out. They're fun. Um, so today specifically, we were going to talk about the Six of Crows duology by Lee Bardugo, which I think you read way before Katie and I did, right? Yeah, I had read it, um, hmm, probably two years ago, maybe. I, I, I forget exactly when Six of Crows came out, but I, I remember seeing the, um, Shadow and Bone trilogy. I think that's the name of it. Her first one that you, you guys talked about. Yep. Um, and for some reason, I just, I didn't connect with it. And I just saw Six of Crows and I, it the heist nature of it just really appealed to me. So I picked that one up and loved it. And then 
uh, Cricket Kingdom came out just, uh, yeah, I guess, last year. So uh, really enjoyed both. Yeah, same here. And I mean, we read the Shadow and Bone trilogy before, so we had a little bit more introduction to the whole Grisha verse that she created. But I think Six of Crows delves into it pretty well. And um, it's, it's kind of really cool to see all the different types of Grisha with the different magical powers. And so my first question for you was, if you were a Grisha, let's say, in our dream world, we're all Grisha, um, which uh, superpower do you want to have? Well, uh, yeah, so it, it's weird because especially in Six of Crows, and I think a little bit more in um, Crooked Kingdom, because uh, I, I don't know if they go into it in more detail in the original trilogy, just like the, the powers, a lot of times in Six of Crows, in the duology, it's about, like, the subversion of the Grisha powers through the, mm-hmm. the Jirta Param. So, yep. like, it, it's, you always see, like, the mirror, like, bad side of those powers, but, um, so I didn't connect with a whole bunch of them super strongly in Six of Crows, but I do, I think I would probably want to be a fabricator. Um, oh, Just, yeah, just because I'm, a, like, I have no talent at, like, carpentry <laughs> or, like, building things, but, like, I'm always... A little bit obsessed with it so I feel like that being able to create things and shape things uh, and manipulate like material would be really interesting to me and that would also be extremely useful to have now because like anytime anyone asks me like what superpower do you have I'm just like well obviously not flying because like that would never work right now and like you know I want something that's actually useful so I feel like that would be a really good answer and I'm curious to know what you'd want to create. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and that, it's probably the uh, a limit of it. I, I'm not super uh, imaginative or creative, like in the moment. <laughs> so I feel like I would always just like make like a kind of really boring desk or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like I would just do a whole lot of like around the house chores, like making stuff, but like yeah. pretty badly. But you would like never have to go to IKEA again, which would be a huge plus. That would be nice. I, I do think it would probably be, like, the Ikea level, like, fabricator. Like, I wouldn't be making <laughs> yeah. anything, like, super great, but eh, it's functional. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all about, like, this easy little tasks that just make your life a little bit easier is, from in my idea, a perfect superpower. Indeed. Uh, how about you? What, what would you choose? <laughs> oh, uh, I would want to be a healer, mm-hmm. I think. Because that sounds super useful. The only problem, I think, would be if people knew that you were a healer, they would just start coming to you for, like, every single little ailment. Yeah. So, which would be fine. But that that's what I would choose to be. Because if I never had to get sick again... That would be nice. I mean, that would be just fantastic. Yeah. And I think it has all the, like, the tangential powers, too. Just, like, being able to, you know, like control heart rates and stuff and calm emotions in other people like that that would just be pretty cool right yeah we were saying in one of our episodes that we would want to be heart renders just so we can do like high intensity interval training without leaving <laughs> our couch because we can just like raise our heartbeats up and down that would be yeah it's almost like that you know kind of crappy workout just like how oh, just sit on your couch and like flex your your muscles a little bit but like you could actually do that <laughs> yeah. without you know, just never leave your couch but get just super super ripped <laughs> Yeah, just strap this machine onto your stomach and let it do the work for you. (laughs) Um, So you were saying that the heist that is uh, the plot of the duology was really interesting to you. And I thought that was pretty cool, too. And so the plot is centered around these six thieves who have a unique set of skills. 
and they're trying to pull off this seemingly impossible heist. So I wanted to know of uh, the six main characters in this book, if you had a heist to pull off somewhere in Atlanta, <laughs> um, which member of the dregs do you want on your team and why? Well, I mean, I guess the like the super obvious answer is Kaz, just because, you know, he's 19 <laughs> steps ahead of everyone else. Um, but, you know, I guess if I'm playing in the heist, there's no need for another, you know, mastermind on, on the crew. Um, right. I think it'd either be uh, Inej or Nina. Because, um, one, Nina was, like, the only character in the book who was just, like, consistently, like, upbeat and funny. Like, everyone else is kind of dour <laughs> and, like, is up in their own head all the time. And Nina's just, like, a good time to be around. Um, yeah. Which would be appealing to me. Just, like, you need someone who's bringing some levity to the crew. Yeah. You need some laughter. Yeah. Uh but Inej, like especially in the second book, I thought, which I didn't, I didn't read before uh, this podcast, but uh, she's just a total, complete, like badass, which was great. Uh, yeah. So, and I mean, I, I thought throughout the whole thing, she had like one of the better arcs of just like taking like her power back and just like becoming herself. And I don't know, I, I think, I think at the end of like, especially the second book, she's just like a total badass, which was great. So I think probably Inej. Yeah, she's like unstoppable. Yeah. And I love how she can just sneak around without anyone seeing her and hearing her. And she's just she's just such a great shadow. Mm-hmm. So if you needed to, like, spy on anyone or have ears in other places, she would be just the perfect person to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think, just, you know, she is the wraith. Uh, and I, th- I think just she, yeah. she brings so much to the table with those skills that she I think she'd be my, uh, my go-to. I agree. She was actually the one I would have picked, too. Although I would really like to be girlfriends with Nina in like an alternate reality and just eat a lot of waffles together. That does sound pretty so great. Fun. Yeah, that sounds pretty fun. <laughs> so we um, we would love to see this book made into a movie. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of other people would too. So uh, we always ask this question, if Six of Crows ever makes it to the big screen, was there a particular scene that you would most be excited to see brought to life? Man, that is a tough one. Um, man, yeah, I, especially I. So I, I kind of just like reread the end of the book uh, this morning, and there's a couple great scenes that I would love, like when they're escaping from the ice palace, like with the tank. That, like that'd be pretty great to see. <laughs> uh, the sort of like double cross on the island uh, when like Van Eck realizes that he's been played was pretty great. Oh yeah. But I think just to see in a movie, just to, like. It's one of the first scenes in the book when uh, Kaz and the crew are going to meet the Black Tips, like the the rival gang. Yeah. And I I thought the scene was so good because it it really introduces Kaz and Jesper and like Jesper like not really knowing what's going on and being a little like naive mm-hmm. and reckless, and then Kaz having like full trust in Anej to like go find the one guard that she has to put down. And yep. then also establishing Kaz as like that mastermind who like is again like a couple steps ahead and knows everything about everybody and also isn't willing like was also willing to bluff like I thought that scene did such a good job yeah. of setting up like the world and the crew I, like I I would love to see that like like the tension with Anesh finding the person just in time and I don't know I really like that scene <laughs> that's funny because Katie picked the exact same scene oh nice yeah. Man. <laughs> Because she was just like, the parlay was such a great way to introduce all of the characters and to mm-hmm. see and to show like how deadly they were and how serious they were about 
um, their tasks and their chores and everything that they had to do to make this one partway go successfully and just working mm-hmm. together as a as a unit and seeing like all the challenges that they come across it was just like a great moment and a great way to start off the book yeah and it sets up so much to like Kaz just trusting Anej but also like not giving Jesper the information that mm-hmm. everyone else has just because he knows Jesper has a big yep. mouth and and like that gets them into trouble later so um yeah, it, it really set up like the tone for certain characters. Agreed. Yeah, and I mean, there are just so many great characters in this book. I think it's like, it's one of the reasons that it has such a huge fan following. And I think what is great too is the Lee Bardugo, the author, kind of leaves a bit of an open ending at the conclusion of Crooked Kingdom where you think, okay, maybe she could revisit this world again and write some other stories set in this right. universe. And we did learn that she's doing a spinoff series for Shadow and Bone that is focusing on King Nikolai. I'm sure you're excited about that. Indeed, yes. <laughs> Katie and I are very thrilled about it. <laughs> um, so we were wondering if Flea Bardugo was to write a spinoff series for Six of Crows, is there a specific character or a couple that you'd want to see featured? That's interesting. Um, yeah, so I when I was, I was listening back to the first part when... Uh, in your your episode for Six of Crows, and you guys talked about the character quiz, and you both got Kaz, um, yeah. and I took it and also got Kaz the first time. Everyone gets Kaz. It's rigged. Yeah, and so then I, I took it again, and like I guess I was a little bit more deliberate with an answer, uh, and I got Wylan instead. Okay, um, which, which was interesting, and I, I feel like Wylan could be like interesting, but. Uh, I guess I'd probably just stick with Inej in some way. Um, you know, I know things get a little bit, they they turn out well for her, near, you know, at the end of the, the duology. But, you know, that dream that she has near the end of book one, that she just wants to get her own ship and just like basically mm-hmm. hunt down slavers. Yeah. I think just a pirate story with Inej would be pretty badass. And if Kaz is there, that's fine too. But... <laughs> But the real focus is an edge. That's actually a fantastic idea for a story. Her just hunting down slavers. Yeah. Uh, there's, oh, I love that. There's a, another kind of heist book series. It's not YA, but uh, it's called The Lies of Locke Lamora. Oh, and, I read that. Okay, yeah. So each book is a little bit different. And the second one is just like a swashbuckling like pirate adventure. Oh, um, and, and like I feel like just putting an edge in that world would, be, would just be really fun. Oh my gosh, I agree. Especially too if it's like you see her and Kaz kind of working together because I'm so curious if they could like work out their issues and, you know, become a team and actually have a relationship. That was like one of my biggest questions at the end. So I would love to see them like five years later. Where are they now? Yeah, I'd be interested in that. Like, especially I don't think, like I'm sure Kaz's defenses are always going to be there and up to a certain degree. Um, But one of the things I loved about you know, uh, the series, other than, um, you know, Nina and Matthias, like, all the relationships are just very subtle and just, like, left to grow on their own. They weren't just, like, thrown together. And uh, I don't know, the way even Kaz and Inej kind of, like, circled each other throughout the entirety of it was, <laughs> I thought was great. So um, I think it'll just be building off of that naturally. Yeah, you know, it's true because in so many YA books, and I think this is, like, a lot of people's complaints a lot of times the couples just all of a sudden love each other and you're just like whoa what what because it's just so fast right. and you're like where's the build-up where's the getting to know you why are you suddenly infatuated with this person 
And so, yeah, it's right. true in this story. Like, I mean, Nina and Matthias started out hating each other. And mm-hmm. Kaz and Inej have these big obstacles, too. So, yeah, it is kind of nice, like, seeing the romance grow over the course of two whole books rather than just kind of yeah. smacked at you in the beginning. Yeah, I thought, I thought she handled it really well. I mean, just almost every aspect of this book, she just, like, knocked out of the park, so... I agree. Ugh, Lee Bardugo. What did we ever do to deserve her? She's so great. Lord knows, but I'm glad she's here. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, um, as you know, we always end each of our episodes with a really terrible dad joke. So I was wondering if you have a bad joke for me today. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I told you earlier, I'm pretty bad about thinking on jokes on the spot, but uh, <laughs> this is a pretty bad dad joke. So Perfect. Um, Let's fit right in. Okay, uh, so what kind of shoes do ninjas wear? Ooh. Mm, the thing that popped in my mind was saddle shoes, but I don't think that's right. Oh, what is the answer? Ninjit shoes. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Like I said, pretty, pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. It's been really great talking to you today. Yeah, no, I had a blast. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Guys, if you haven't already, go check out Trends in Low Places and The Longest Days of Our Lives on iTunes and Castify. They're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, bye bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.